when God needs something really important to be done, what kind of people does he choose? You might answer that in a few different ways. Basically, ordinary people. Ordinary people. But ordinary people that evince some characteristics that are needed. Faithfulness is one of them. Availability is another one. And readiness is another one. And availability and readiness really aren't the same thing. Availability is just that you're not tied down to the world and the things of the world, really, is kind of what I mean by that. That, you're, that God is on your mind. But readiness is those who are prepared to do something for God and, and want to do something for God. When you think about faithfulness, <clears throat> think about people like Noah, who was found faithful in his generation. Think about Abraham. Um, Joseph was faithful, you know, all through the sands of time and of his life. Uh, Samuel was faithful. Jeremiah was faithful. Um, Daniel was faithful. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was faithful. They were just faithful people. They were practicing their, their faith in God through uh, the, the exercise of discipline in their life and through doing good works. When you think about people who are available, just ready to be used, you could include Abraham in that, I guess. Think about how hard it was for him to pick up and leave the land of Ur to go somewhere, but he was available to do it. He went. Uh, think about, though, Moses, um, Gideon, um, Saul. These are people who, who God called and, and were available. Think about Isaiah, here am I, send me. Think about uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. She made herself available. When you think about people who were uh, ready, of a ready mind, Joshua was ready, had some training under Moses. Um, David was ready. He was, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He, uh, he was going to the lines of battle to ask about the battle. He wanted to do something about it. Daniel was praying out his window three times a day toward Jerusalem. Um, Nehemiah was, was sorrowful, and when the king asked him what, what he could do for him, he, he, he wanted to go back to Jerusalem. So there's some characteristics that are common in all these ordinary people. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was, was one also who was ready. And that can be seen in, when you compare her to Sarah. Uh, when God said that Sarah would have a son in her old age, uh, she laughed within herself. Do you remember that in Genesis 18? She laughed within herself. Now, this is after she had been told several times. But when it came down to, to finally, after th almost 30 years of, of waiting on this promise and the whole Hagar situation where she gave her handmaiden to Abraham and had Ishmael and all that, in, in about the 29th year when God said, I will come again at this time next year and she will give birth to, to Isaac, she laughed within herself and she said, when, when Mary was told, you will be found with son, the Holy Spirit will, will overshadow you. She asked, how, how could this be? But she said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. It's a little bit different response. She believed more readily. She was, she was somebody that you could read about being, being pure and faithful. You could read about her um, 
humble roots and her availability to, to, to be a part of this and her readiness. So when the fullness of time had come, as Paul wrote in the Galatian letter, when the fullness of time had come, for God to send his son to the earth to take on the form of man and be born and raised in the world of men, who would he choose to raise up Jesus to become the sinless Lamb of God? Do you think there was anybody at the time that might have volunteered to do that and said, well, I can do that? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, if you threw that out to this crowd of Christians even and, and said, who could do that well? I'm going to guess nobody would dare raise their hand and say, well, well, we have some experience with several children already, and I think we could do a good job. I think we'd all probably say, well, boy, oh, boy, I'm not qualified for that, right? So it was something that was God's choice. And when the angel came to Mary, uh, he said that God had found favor with her. This obscure, young, single virgin girl from, from rural Galilee. And Joseph, uh, her boyfriend, basically. Her hardworking carpenter boyfriend, all right? Uh, he came to him too, Gabriel did, and, uh, and said that God had, had chosen them to do this thing. And their lives, if you can imagine, their lives went from the innocence of, <clears throat> of uh, thinking about the excitement of the wedding and the, and the time where they would be together and be married and what their, what their future would hold and, and maybe planning uh, their future a little bit, and maybe talking about children, etc. It went from that to scandalous, scandalous type front page news with, with this announcement that the angel gave to her. And you remember, Joseph was, was of the mind to put her away privately. He could have had her, had her um, set forth as a public example, the scripture said, but he he loved her. He had integrity. He didn't want to see something uh, befall her. Um, but I don't think he believed her at the time, or he wouldn't perhaps have sought to put her away. So the angel came to her and told her these things. Joseph obviously didn't, didn't, didn't believe what had happened and sought to put her away. And then the angel had to go to Joseph as well and tell him what was going on. So as he was about to, to say goodbye, you know, heartbroken Joseph to his um, misbehaving uh, young betrothed, uh, the angel came and, and confirmed the report. Now, people were challenged then to believe both Mary and Joseph together. At least they could confide in each other. And people, you know, it was up to them to, to meet the challenge of, do we believe this story or not? But, but it's up to Mary and Joseph to, to believe what God said he was going to do through them. Now that's on them uh, to believe this. And she asked an honest question. She said to Gabriel, she said, I've never known a man. So how can this be? Now there were others who asked in that type of situation, like Sarah, how can this be? Um, but, but Mary was ready. She was humble. 
and she seemed to accept the lot. There's a song that's been popularized uh, by the a cappella singing group Pentatonics called Mary Did You Know? Do you know that song? Have you heard that? It was written in 1991 by uh, Mark Lowry of the Gaither Vocal Band. And uh, the lyrics are, are pretty powerful. They're well written. They're, they're short, but they're very powerful because they touch on what the scripture says she pondered. Three times, Luke chapter 2 says she pondered these things or kept these things in her heart. And they touch on the types of things that, that she might have been pondering from, from uh, his miracle working power uh, to his eternal nature and deity, uh, his saviorhood and sanctifying work and how that actually might reflect on her own life. And finally, in, in his sovereignty as ruler of the nations, uh, listen to some of these uh, lyrics concerning his miracle working power. Um, <clears throat> some of the sentences are, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? As she pondered these types of things. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Many of them at that. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm? Did you know the blind will see and the deaf will hear and the dead will live again? That the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, and the praises, the praises of the Lamb? Listen to the lyrics concerning his eternal nature and deity. Did you know that your baby boy <clears throat> has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Mary, did you know your baby boy is Lord of all creation? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. A couple lyrics that touch on the sanctifying work of his life that no doubt she may have pondered. Some lyrics uh, concerning that in the song are, Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? And concerning his sovereignty as ruler of all nations and as judge of all the earth, uh, there's a lyric just really one that touches on this toward the end of the song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? So when Luke records that she was pondering these things in her heart, you think, what was she thinking about? Well, she had the knowledge revealed to her to ponder all of these things, in fact, that I think are possible, that are captured by this songwriter. Because the scriptures say so. The scriptures say so. And uh, Joseph too, for that matter. And so it touches on the, uh, the, the, uh, the mystery that, that she is with a child of the Holy Spirit. That by God's power, not by, by a man and by nature, but by God's power, she was overshadowed, the scripture says. And that God actually conceived this baby in her womb placed him there. Um, it touches on uh, what must have um, 
she must have experienced throughout her life as she watched her boy grow up. But we catch a glimpse at age 12, for example, when he was in the temple, right? And um, he didn't answer a question like a normal boy would answer. And we catch the glimpse of, of, of uh, what she might have pondered as she walked with him in his ministry, not always as one of the apostles, future apostles did. We know that she was separated by distance from time to time and came in and out among them. But she watched and saw some of these things that he did and no doubt <laughs> pondered, this is my son but it's God's son. And finally, as his life came to an end, what must have been going through her mind uh, as, as he was crucified there, did you know that your son was the heaven's perfect lamb? Well, if she didn't, she was pondering it, and by the end, she drew some conclusions. But listen to what the angels actually revealed to them concerning Jesus. In Matthew's account, we're told what Gabriel said to Joseph, which I think happened after, came to Mary first, but do not be afraid to marry Mary. Do not be afraid to take her as your betrothed to yourself. The child is of the Holy Spirit. So without an ultrasound then, he also said that the baby would be a boy. We Think about that for a second. <laughs> That alone, right? Uh, we can tell that stuff today and we don't think anything of it. Do you know what it's going to be? Oh, it's going to be a boy. Oh, me, yeah. We know several people now, uh, some friends of ours, uh, not members of the congregation, but in other places, uh, they're expecting. And do you know what it's going to be? Now we're going to wait to find out. That's exciting too. But can you imagine back in this day and age, uh, the angel saying, not only, I mean, you're trying to, you're overwhelmed with the fact that he said you're going to be overshadowed by God and the child's gonna be conceived of the Holy Spirit. By the way, it's gonna be a boy. Oh. And uh, he told Joseph that you ought to call this baby Jesus, meaning Savior, because he'll save the people from their sins. So Joseph, uh, being Jewish, being raised in the synagogues, being educated by some of the, some of the great students of the law and scholars of the day uh, would have been calling on the prophets. He would have been calling on the prophecies all through the Old Testament and, and thinking, how is this that God is going to send a child here to the earth? And he would have been going through the Psalms and he'd been going through Isaiah Right? Chapter 40, chapter, well, chapter 7, verse 14, the virgin shall conceive and bring forth the son. And, and Isaiah 40, um, uh, about uh, the, the son of God coming. And, and Isaiah 53, uh, speaking of, of who he would become. So he, he's, he's no doubt going through his mind of all these prophecies. And then you come over to Luke's account, and we read a, a little bit more that was revealed to Mary. And Luke's account records that she was told that the Lord is with you and you're blessed. First of all, take this in good stride. He's found favor with you. Do not be afraid. Then he says the baby will be a boy. So he, he predicts that to Mary as well. He says he'll be great. 
He says he'll be called the son of the highest. Gabriel says God will give him the throne of David. Mm, now you've got to start thinking about some of these prophecies to David. God will build you a house. And uh, he'll... Uh, uh, and, and the one who will rule on your throne forever, David, 2 Samuel chapter 7, God will call him his son, and he shall be his father. And so David's going to have a king rule forever, and so some of these things, no doubt, are what's being pondered. Gabriel said that he would reign over the house of Jacob forever, and there would be no end to his kingdom. There's that word kingdom. Where do you see that? Daniel 2.44 where God would establish a kingdom in the days of this empire described as the Roman Empire, essentially, where his kingdom would begin and go into all the world, but never come to an end. So he told, he told Mary about this, that, that he would reign on David's throne and there would be no end to his kingdom. And he said... <clears throat> Uh, that because the Holy Spirit will create this life in your womb, that that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God, as opposed to the son of Joseph and Mary. All right? Yeah, yes, Mary's son. Joseph is, is an adoptive father, essentially. Uh, Joseph uh, is a stepfather, if you will, uh, to Jesus. So he'll be called the Son of God because this child is of the Holy Spirit. So his de deity is revealed. Finally, and most crucially, perhaps, the angel instills what he hopes to be faith in Mary by saying, for with God, nothing will be impossible. She probably needed to hear that at this time, don't you think? This sounds impossible. Last thing he left her with is, for with God, notice future tense too, Nothing will be impossible. So not only concerning this, but the idea that he will be a king reigning on the throne of David forever will be possible by God's power. How's he going to reign forever? If he's going to be the perfect lamb of God, oh, just imagine what they're thinking. It's perfect lamb of God, so he'll be offered as a lamb. He's going to be the savior, but he's going to reign forever. That means he's going to be alive. He's a lamb Offered, killed, reigning forever, that implies a resurrection, doesn't it? So actually the angel Gabriel, this is a neat study for, for you to, to um, involve yourself in. In Luke chapter 2, look at not only the facts that are revealed, but look at how much theology is brought out by Gabriel to her and to Joseph in just short, concise abbreviated sentences and it's no wonder it's no wonder that she pondered these it's no wonder that she kept all these things and when everybody was clamoring about it she was just sitting there going my 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 wow and the child's in my womb right now not somebody else's my how am I going to do this what's it going to be like is this going to be normal parenting she hadn't had a child before I wonder what it was like for the other ones coming after Jesus, the sons and daughters that were born to her and Joseph. Would that be different? There's all kinds of things racing through her mind. But I want to boil it down to this. I actually am getting to a, a one point. 
there's a lot of things that are, that are both fun to think about, but very powerful to think about. And what I want us to grasp is this. The things that she would end up having to consider from the Old Testament, the things that she would end up considering from the birth announcement, the things that she would witness in his ministry, including the death and the resurrection, and then the things that she saw taking place from there on, Acts chapter 1, forward facing. Church, these are the same four things that we build our faith upon. She, she had to do the same thing we do. She had to look at the prophecies and say, what does this mean? If this was foretold and this person was actually born into the world and he actually did the things that not only he claimed he would do, but that the prophets claimed he would do, and the tomb is found empty, and in 2016, almost 17, the church still not only exists, but the church is alive. Our faith is alive. That based upon these same things that Mary was pondering in her heart, we come to the same conclusion that Mary came to. We can and should come to the same conclusion. And what was that? Well, where do we find Mary when the Son of God, the Lamb, is hanging on the cross? Where is she? Well, well that's because she was his mother. Okay. Uh, where, where was she when the tomb was empty? She's with a group of other Marys and women preparing to visit that tomb that went out to sea, believing. Where was she? Probably before the apostles believed it, right? Where, where was she in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem to the twelve for you'll be endowed with power from on high. Wait in Jerusalem. She was right there praying with the 120, wasn't she? Do you remember when he was 12, the mishap, the parenting mishap? We, we lie, we say, how could this happen? Partly, we don't understand it because our culture might be different. But if you're from a larger family, I have four older brothers, we all have kids, and if we do something together, it's easy to kind of lose track of your kid. You know, unless they're toddlers, but Jesus is 12. He's a 12-year-old. And, and he's, he's together perhaps with cousins, and they're in a caravan going home, and they lost track. He's in good hands. It's a safe journey. There's crowds of people. It's not like we're going to be overtaken by thieves, blah, 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 blah. They're visiting, catching up with people they haven't talked to for a while, and they realize, where is he? He was back in Jerusalem, and they had gone good ways. And they went back. And like a, like a good parent should, they said to him, Mary said, what, what is this you've done? We've been looking all over for you. 
And he says, unlike a normal child, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Didn't you know this? Mom, you've been pondering this for 12 years, right? Didn't you know this? And he went back to Nazareth, Nazareth with them and subjected himself to them. He placed himself beneath their parenthood. He didn't, he didn't like try to test them and, and don't you know who I am? No. He reminded them of what he was here to do, but he subjected himself to them in his adolescent days and his teenage years, and he was a good boy. He didn't try to challenge them and all these things. At the end of his life, think of this, Mary, his mother, subjected herself to him. Mary, did you know that your son would one day deliver you? That he would cleanse your sins? What a powerful thing to think about as you're changing diapers. Uh, as you're watching him play outside, as you're, you're watching him maybe grow up and start nailing some things into wood with his daddy out in the... And one day, if this is all true, Mary said, I'll, I'll have to place myself beneath his lordship. And I want to propose to you this. Not only do we come to faith in the same way that Mary had to, or flip that around. Not only did Mary have to come to faith in the same way we did, even though she saw some things, we have that prophetic word confirmed here. She went through the same process. But if Jesus' mother in that relationship where parents aren't accustomed to subjecting themselves to their children at any age, but rather being honored and expecting to be respected in that, if Mary placed herself beneath his control, beneath his lordship, and in the book of Acts, at his service. We talk often about Paul's conversion, don't we? Wow. He was murdering Christians, and then all of a sudden, he changed. There's no other way to explain that. How do you explain the mother of the Lord offering herself in service to him as a king who was in much closer proximity to him all her life? Who, who like I said, changes his diapers, right? Took care of him when he was sick, if he was sick, and, and these types of things, and yet was able to say, this is the son of the highest and I bow down before him as my Lord. If she can do it, we ought to be able to do it freely. Freely. I'll leave you with that. I'll leave you with that. And uh, I hope that we never continue pondering what it means that Jesus Christ has come into the world. And that he lives again today. That is powerful enough to move us into service and into action for the Lord Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you need to place yourself beneath his control today, we can take care of that tonight if you're here and you're not a Christian.
We can take your confession of him as your Lord. We can baptize you into Christ where there is no condemnation any longer for your sins. And you can walk away free from sin with a clear conscience and serve the Lord and walk in good works which he created you to do from before the world began. If we can help you with that, by all means, let's do that tonight as we stand and sing the song that Bill's picked out for us. <laughs>